2: Greetings, my friends. So happy that you could join me today on Afternoons with Mike, right here across the Shepherd Radio Network. So happy that you're here. I uh, have a couple of things to start off with up front today to let you know we have a lot of changes going on here at the Shepherd in the morning time. Due to the fact that we recently lost Dan Celia, Financial Issues now has a new host. And that is Shanna Burt, who was with Dan so often. And the program has gone from being a three-hour program to now a one-hour show from 9 to 10. Every morning, it's Financial Issues Live featuring Shanna Burt. So be sure and tune in, Shanna, if you haven't already done that. I think you're going to enjoy this new iteration of the program. It began this morning and will continue now going forward. That means some changes in the last two hours of what used to be Dan's show. In the 10 o'clock hour, we're going to be replaying the previous day's Afternoons with Mike. So you can join me if you missed the the program the day before. You can tune in in the morning and hear that show replayed at 10.05. At 11.05, it's Dr. Stephen Rummage and Moving Forward. So you can join that podcast. At 11.05, followed by 11.32, be sure and listen to Saving America with Charlie Kirk. Those changes went into effect today. Thank you for listening in on these programs. Now, as you know, I recently had an opportunity to be down at the D6 conference in South Orlando. Wow, did I ever hit a payload of wonderful interviews with the people, the speakers, the presenters, and the ministries that were represented there at D6. That stands for Deuteronomy 6. It's a group that is really aiming at helping parents and helping churches get the materials and resources they need to help parents be what they need to be in this day and age. And so today we're going to continue with some of those interviews. First of all, we're going to have Rob Reno, and his wife Amy will be up. And that was again recorded at the recent D6 conference. It's a real treat to have Rob Reno with Visionary Family Ministries. Rob, welcome to my program. Thank you, Mike. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, you know, this is really a treat to get to talk to people like yourself, coming from really all points of the United States, maybe abroad, uh, to gather together at a conference like this that really focuses on. The family and all that what god intended for it to be because what we see pictured in culture today uh, the family's taking quite a hit yeah it sure is the family's central to god's
3: plan to impact the world for christ the gospel is a multi-generational gospel and a multi-generational mission And this is why you talk about spiritual attack against the family. This is why Satan and the demons focus, I'm going to say, most of their firepower Mm -hmm. against the home. Manhood, womanhood, marriage, sexuality, babies, breaking the heart connection between parents and their kids. So the D6 movement is something, it's a part of something that I see the Holy Spirit doing all over the world, which is wakening up the hearts of parents to their spiritual responsibilities with their kids and wakening the hearts of pastors to the essential need to equip and train folks to live for Christ at home. That's where the Christian life starts and then overflow from there.
2: You know, you think about how uh, America got to where it is with regard to families. And it's almost as if you can use an analogy of a field that has not been tended or not been cared for, it will just kind of run amuck and grow up and things that used to be in order are no longer there. That's really what's happened in our country, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I also think it's easy for us to
3: look at the degradation of culture, especially as it relates to the family and sexuality. I think we're less inclined to look to the church to see some areas of brokenness there We've got a couple generations now in the church that have grown up um, with a real delegation mindset. What I mean by that is that parents delegated the spiritual training of their kids to the Sunday school, to the youth group, to the Christian school. And, you know, this conversation we're having is very personal for me. My wife, Amy, and I are coming up on 28 years of marriage. We have seven children, ages 24 to 8, two married and off the payroll, okay, five still <laughs> at home. Um, but two thousand four, we had been married ten years, four children those ten years. I was a youth pastor for those first that first decade of our marriage and as a youth pastor, the number one passion of my life was passing my faith to other people's children. Right? So I'm hey, gonna, not
2: necessarily your own.
3: I'm gonna pray with other yeah. people's kids, read the Bible with other people's kids. Do you remember lock ins? Did you ever do oh, a yeah, lock in with, with junior oh, hires? Yeah. This is a horrible idea. hated them. The name itself should say it's a bad thing, but my wife and I are loving youth ministry and and passionate about it. But here was the problem. I was praying with other people's kids and I wasn't praying with mine. Mm. I'm reading the Bible with other people's kids. I'm not reading the Bible with mine. And that summer of 2004, God had to really bring me to a place of of brokenness and repentance. And as it says in Malachi four and Luke one, he turned my heart to the ministry of my family, mm-hmm. and just convicted me. What I had been doing is I had been putting my spiritual opportunities in front of my spiritual responsibilities. Mm. So for the last 18 years, we've been on this journey. What does it mean to really live for Christ first in our house?
2: You know, to have vision is to really know where you're going to go. It's know where you should be going. It's all of those things. It's revelation. It's the uh, understanding. It's like the the way is being opened up. And I, I love your name because it really carries that that kind of a motif with it that you've got not only parents who are parents but they are parents who are going somewhere yeah all of our ministry
3: visionary family ministries our books are visionary parenting visionary marriage visionary church and it absolutely does tie into this question of of purpose see if you don't know the purpose of something let's just take the family if you don't know the purpose of something, the likelihood of you being successful with it's very slim especially mm-hmm. if it's something god made if something it's god made you got to know why he made it and what its purpose is and when when i got married when we started being blessed with children i had no clue what the purpose of marriage was the purpose of being a father was the purpose of family and so god really had to do a real a renovation in in my heart and take me into the the scriptures this whole conference the deuteronomy 6 conference that's the scripture that changed my life transformed our family. Mm-hmm. The first part of it is a familiar passage to most church folks. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, the great commandment. These commands I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. I had read it many times. I always stop there. Well, the very next verse speaks to parents and grandparents. Now teach them diligently to your children. Mm-hmm. If you want to love me and you've got kids, mission number one, help the kids love me. Yeah. If you want my word in your heart and you've got kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, help them have my word in their heart. And then this action step, the very next scripture, this is the one that transformed our family. It gives us a a place to start, not a magic formula, but just an action step, a place to start. Talk about God's word when you sit at home. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my goodness, God wants me to love him. And I can start loving him by opening his word at home and just reading it with my family.
2: You know, I remember the impression that God put upon my heart of importance of having my kids wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. and to come into the the breakfast table, and to and, and to be caught, if you will, reading the word. Yes. And you know, it wasn't that I was putting on a show. I really didn't want to put on a show. I really did not want that to be the case at all. But it, but my kids were impacted when they realized that this is a home where their parents honor god's word and want to read god's word and want to be a part of it and and that was something that god put upon my heart to do and it was almost like i've got to model this life if i want my kids right. to live it
3: and it and it's something deeper too with that modeling you just talked about it's my dad needs the lord well, why is my dad doing this? Why is he reading his, his Bible? It's obviously not just to, to check a box. He must really need something Yeah. yeah. spiritually. He must yeah. be a needy person to be going to God's mm. Word like that. And that really sets the tone. You know, we, we do a lot of training for families on family worship, how to pray and read the Bible at home without killing each other, right? <laughs> um, matter of fact, we have a free resource for any of your listeners. It's a family worship guide through the book of Genesis. You can get it at visionaryfam.com slash grace, visionaryfam, short for family.com slash grace, a free ebook. But uh, we talk to parents all the time about this, that the driver for family worship is not first discipline. Now discipline's important. Okay, this is something we ought to do. Okay, but the driver's neediness man we we need this time mm-hmm. with the lord yeah uh, our good intentions and our willpower at home ain't cutting it we mm. need the supernatural power of god in our hearts in
2: our relationships and we're going to get that when we go to him in prayer and in his word that's wonderful rob i'm looking forward to getting amy's uh, side on this as well it's going to be a
3: much improved interview uh-huh. i can oh, assure no.
2: you oh, i really appreciate what you guys are doing you're doing it as a as a team as a couple and, you know, we're living in a time, Rob, where around us, we don't have enough of those models that we talked about. Uh, in, the cu- in the culture of government, we see very little that is encouraging. I'm grateful that we have in the church, and really, uh, I believe this thing that you called a movement is really affecting the church it is. and maybe waking the church where it needs to be awakened. It's waking us up and we're realizing that we've got to step back into what's uh, are, are the basics amen and amen. and i think the family as much as any other aspect of our lives together family is about as basic as we can get
3: yeah you've got it and i think like you said i think this is a winnowing time in the church with the pressures in the culture uh that that we're seeing uh folks are having to make a choice and nominal christians are um <laughs> becoming more nominal and less Christian. Yeah. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well be, said. Be charitable. Um, and so this is a time for a greater commitment. That all the headlines, as I think about our children, I mean, every headline is about sickness, fear, death, corruption, war. I mean, uh, if you open any newspaper or webpage, that's what it's about. And what an urgent time mm-hmm. for us to be sharing the gospel.
2: And one to add world. one more to that would be the perversion of purpose. Yes. I mean, you think about the whole gender issue that's out there today it's this is like a way to self-destruct our nation and that's why we've got to just continue to have voices like yours voices like Amy voices like this conference waking people up and saying we've got a lot here that we're going to just throw away as a culture if we don't step up to the plate take leadership lead the way with vision yeah
3: and it's never too late to start you know Amy and I were married 10 years with four kids it's never too late to repent never too late to ask God to turn your heart to your kids. Maybe your kids are adults and they live a thousand miles away. Maybe you raised them in the church, but now they're struggling in their faith. It's never too late. Never too late. late.
2: Rob Reno, thank you for dropping
3: by. Thanks so much.
2: It was a treat to talk to Rob and now I've got Rob's wife, Amy Reno, here with us today. Visionary Family Ministries. You know, this is a, a dynamic gathering of people who all share this message from Deuteronomy 6 of this a goal and the import importance of family, and that's why you guys are here, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So your part, I know. I heard Rob's uh, feel of what your family came to, especially at like year ten of your marriage, mm-hmm. and you begin to realize there are some things that uh, need to change in the family. What was that like for you to watch your husband go through that? Uh, realization of a need for change, because I think it's really applicable. A lot of ladies uh, are praying that their husbands Mm -hmm. will wake up to maybe some of the things that are not happening in the family.
4: Yes, it was a really interesting time because, first of all, our background, I actually have a degree of a master's in marriage family therapy from a Christian college. My husband had a passion for family, even when we started ministry. So in many ways, those first 10 years and what we were doing in youth ministry, it's not like we were ignoring the family. You know, we were probably more intentional on that family side than probably other youth pastors were just because of the background that we mm-hmm. brought in. But what happened is that I felt called when our son was about three years old. I started feeling like the Lord was calling me to homeschool, which was a shock because I was actually living in the town that I grew up in, and I used to say to everybody you know, why would you ever homeschool if you lived in Wheaton? It didn't make any sense to me because Wheaton was known for their really good schools. And it was very incongruent personally for me mm-hmm. to feel like, what? what is this coming from? But as I researched it, I really began to understand this idea of family worship. So many resources I was getting had this idea of family discipleship, family worship, and words that were not part of my vocabulary at all at that time and became very convicted by by different speakers that I was listening to, but I think a lot of wives will relate to this, you know, trying to put resources in front of your husband. Hey, you should listen to this, you know, kind of struggling that I felt I was being convicted and moving in direction and he was not part of that and Mm -hmm. not really willing to be part of that at that time. And that probably went on for several years. And basically what happened, I was getting to the point of just giving up kind of in the sense that I kept reading these things or reading these things in books. It sounded really good, but I couldn't see it anywhere. I couldn't see it in the church. I realized that, you know, my husband, I had a very good husband. He was very, like, loyal to me. He always wanted to help at home. Great relationship with the kids. So when I saw, okay, well, what I'm reading here and what I'm seeing here, I keep feeling like this is what we should be doing But I don't see it anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I was really at the point of kind of giving up and thinking, okay, this just may not happen anymore. Men are not willing to be the spiritual leaders of their homes. And it's always kind of you're probably familiar, I think, in a lot of people's testimonies and a variety of different issues. Right. When we get to the end of ourselves and we kind of say, okay, Lord, I surrender. I can't give him this vision. You're going to have to do it. And that was in 2004, the Holy Spirit really broke through and gave my husband a new vision for what a Christian home should be and what family discipleship should look like.
2: You know, I'm thinking about the fact that you guys were leaders already. Mm -hmm. You were doing that, and it really does speak to the reality that a lot of leaders that are in the country today, even senior pastors in churches, are are privately struggling, Mm -hmm. privately maybe in trouble with their own family, losing a lot of uh, their own uh, children with the world just drawing them out of the church. And, you know, that, that is a, a, a fairly common problem. And it, it's a sad one, but it is fairly common. And so now to see so many people uh, and to hear your story, uh, I think it really it rings true to what anyone must do Uh, A wife needs to be, first of all, and first and foremost, praying to to the Lord, asking God and putting trust in her own heart. That's what uh, only God can do that, right? Right. He's the only one that can do it. But then to just the hard work of trusting God Mm -hmm. after you pray. Right. That's a big deal right there, too.
4: And God's timing. I think that has so much to do with God's timing that we can't comprehend that I have a husband who I call a zero six zero to sixty zero and to 60. There's hardly any speeds in the middle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And lately the Lord has shown me so much that, you know, when I get passionate about something and I can kind of gradually learn more and kind of gradually, but, you know, when my husband's kind of ready, when the Holy Spirit sort of moves, he goes, you know, it's, it's fast. And in some ways the Lord helped me trust his timing in the sense that, I think some of that is protection, that maybe I'm not ready to move as fast as I think, that, you know, that, that, you know, I'm not ready for that pace. And he's a hard worker, and he, um, you know, when he does catch the vision, he's going to take it, you know, and move with it.
2: We're going to stop this segment right there and pick back up with Amy coming up after the break. This is Afternoons with Mike right here on The Shepherd. Hey, we're back here on Afternoons with Mike. my, my guest today. So far has been Rob Reno and his wife, Amy. In fact, we ended off uh, at the end of segment one with Amy, and we're going to pick the balance of that interview back up. This is Amy Reno.
4: So it was a really um, powerful time in my life, but it was a lot of waiting and mm-hmm. years of it. Mm-hmm. Years of it. You know, I think that's important for women to understand um, yeah,
2: it doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, and you've got seven kids. God's blessed you. You have, you guys have that quiver load that we read about in scripture. And these are kids that are, are, are being affected by parents who are modeling, who are living it, who are talking it, and who are imparting it. I think those those things all need to come together in this day and age. Uh, and we've got parents right now who I know are going to be affected even through this conference this week
4: amen and you mentioned that earlier about there are so many pastors that's really hitting home or people in ministry that that it this message hits home and one thing we found in the church a lot of resistance to the message because it's difficult to be in later stages of your life and to feel oh i missed that i missed that opportunity or that's a painful process. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really helpful to understand again, going back to that principle of trusting in God's timing, that there's always a reason that whenever the knowledge or the revelation comes to trust in his timing, because God's giving you that, that for a reason, like don't be resistant to the message because of that hurt. But instead, you can still embrace it. And I've been amazed to see how this pattern of family discipleship is not just for our children. We've seen the power of the Holy Spirit work generationally with our parents, um, aunts, and uncles. You know, it's really powerful what happens in a family, and you don't understand how your family, your extended family, there's so much spiritual influence in just that world alone.
2: Mm. What are you hoping to have happen this week?
4: This week, we are not speaking as much as we usually would at this conference, and we both have two different. Breakout sessions, but we are here with our three youngest kids, and we're excited about some new things we're doing in our ministry called the Visionary Family Weekend Away, which is an opportunity for families to come and experience a. Ret- uh, you know, we well, you've heard of marriage retreats and youth retreats, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't really do a lot of family retreats. We we see how the the power of the message, which is what we call immediate implementation kids, ad- parents, grandparents all receiving the same kind of teaching at the same time and putting some action steps. So we're excited to promote that type, though, just expose people here to this new model that we're doing. We are also just excited to receive ourselves because as you know, when you're in ministry, it's very easy for your life to be all output and no input. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice to not teach as much and be able to receive more.
2: Especially with your kids in tow and uh, and really experience a lot of this with them. But it really is exciting to see that God is doing something new and in the middle of a culture where it's like it's imploding. Parenthood is changing and they would like to make us believe that the, the new norm is this you don't know whether you have a boy or girl you know when it's born that's it's so insane what's going on right now but in the middle of that i'm praying that god will give us a revival of uh, parents who are going to return to the hearts of their kids and vice versa
4: and we would like to see what we call lighthouse families it's amazing how what god can do with one family following god's plan Hmm. for marriage and for children and discipleship so just everything you talked about how dark the world is well that shows you the even more so how one family following on that path can have a huge impact
2: i believe it i believe it the lord can use us we overcome them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. And that makes a big difference. Uh, Amy, thank you so much. Amy Reno, Visionary Family Ministries. She and Rob are here in Orlando for the D6. Thank you for dropping by. Thank you. With me right now is Scott Taransky, and he is with the National Center for Biblical Parenting. Scott, that is a, that's, that's such a wonderful ministry. You think about it, you get to train people on on doing one of the most important jobs
5: there is i believe in all of life to train children it's very important and we've developed this heart-based approach that really helps parents know exactly how to work with their children everyone wants to reach the heart of their child what we've done is try to give parents strategic tools that they can use to actually get in there and do the heart work necessary
2: now you teach at concordia and in addition to that, you're, you speak and you write
5: books. How many books have you written? I've written 15 books on parenting with My Joanne goodness. Miller. She's the co-author of the books. We've written them together.
2: What was uh, the, the beginning for you of this call in your life to be this involved, to give this kind of time to this this whole issue?
5: Well, I would say that about 30 years ago, I, uh, I met Joanne Miller. She's the, the co-author with me. Uh, her husband and I passed her together and and uh, and she's a pediatric nurse. And we really started doing parenting seminars in the community. And out of that, we started writing. We knew we had something to offer that was um, different than what other people were seeing. And it became then a passion for us. We just see so many things change in children's lives with a heart-based approach. We just thought, we got to do more. So that's why we expanded now. We've trained over 400 coaches to work individually with families one-on-one. We've got 150 presenters who teach our parenting seminar live. So we've got a lot of opportunities for churches to increase their parent discipleship program. And then, of course, we work with parents directly as well.
2: Now, you know, you think about 30 years ago when you started off. The world is a lot different right now than it was 30 years ago. What in the world, uh, what kind of changes are you having to make in your approach to train today's parents?
5: You know, it's really interesting to see some of the changes that have taken place. One of the ones that's interesting is we see more dads involved in families than we did before. Uh, dads are saying, I want to be a dad. You know, I want to do my work as a dad. It's, it's meaningful for me to do that. So that's a positive that we see. Mm-hmm. On the negative, you know, we see parents who uh, want to help their kids um, be happy. In other words, pleasure becomes the goal. And, of course, in pleasure, when pleasure becomes the goal in any of our lives, it leads to addiction. That is not our goal with children, but sometimes parents uh, contribute to that belief inside of a child's heart. So we're looking for those kinds of things that we can help parents make changes with as they're trying to help their children.
2: Now, parents, this is what I've seen, what I hear when I talk to people. One of the biggest challenges they have is, is getting the heart of their child back with today's stuff that's going on. It grabs the kid's hearts and if if the parent hasn't been stewarding that aspect of their child, it's difficult to get that back, isn't it?
5: Yeah, so one of the books we wrote was called Parenting is Heart Work. It looks at 750 times the word heart is used in the Bible. And we identify things that are in the heart, like desires, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. So Mm -hmm. things like desires and emotions and beliefs exist in the heart, and we must be working on those things to help children make significant changes. So it's not just about talking more to your kids or hugging them more, it's about really getting them into the workshop of the heart in order to make some adjustments. So that workshop becomes very important. Wow. Wow.
2: So parents right now, uh, what they're having to deal with in the schools uh, with all of the transgender stuff, gender identity, gender confusion, and it just seems like so many of today's uh, big influencers like what's going on right now with the controversy over Disney. It is a a, a big, big thing. You're right in the, the... The backyard, if you will, of Walt Disney World right now Mm -hmm. for this
5: conference. What are you
2: seeing happen with parents
5: dealing with that aspect? Gender dysphoria is a challenge in the lives of children. And we see more and more that uh, in our society, it's becoming difficult. In New York City, which is near where I live, the preschool teachers can't even say to children anymore, boys and girls come here because they don't know whether they're boys or girls yet. And I tell parents, we do a lot of training of parents to teach about sex to their children. It's a a very important subject to be able to do some training. But let's go step back a little bit because the relationship between the parent and the child is so important. When we help children understand some of those, uh, experience that relationship more, when we help children make changes on a heart level, it really sets the stage, the structures necessary inside of the heart for children to have a strong self-concept, for them to have a biblical worldview All of that's very important, even before we get to issues like the transgender issue.
2: Mm -hmm. So what can parents do right now who are listening to these things? Maybe they're realizing it maybe a little late, but it's not too late with God. God always is able to help us in those moments, right?
5: It's exactly right. Sometimes people will say to me, my, my son's six and four. I think I, I've ruined them. I say, we've got plenty of time here yeah. to help it's these all children over. change. <laughs> you know, one of the things I'm talking about here at the conference is about just the whole idea of this workshop in the heart. When parents say no to their children, the child has to go into this workshop of the heart and they have to to kind of sort that out, figure out how are they going to live with this no answer. Some children pull out tools like the arguing tool or the badgering tool or the whining tool or the victim tool in order to get what they want from parents. But really, if we put children into the workshop of the heart intentionally by saying no to children and we give them a plan to be able to address the limits, then we we can foster ideas like, Gratefulness or contentment that are really character qualities that children need. There's a whole strategy that parents can use to reach the hearts of their children, and this idea of the workshop in the heart is right at the center of it.
2: Oh, that's such a wonderful thing. What are you hoping to accomplish at this D6 conference?
5: One of the things we're doing is trying to help churches because this is a church leader conference. So we have two divisions at the National Center for Biblical Parenting. We do meet directly with parents regularly. They're calling our office all the time for help to deal with all kinds of issues. But here we're helping churches develop parent discipleship programs. Mm -hmm. And so we've got a number of churches all over the, the country who are doing that. We're just trying to increase that base of people because we believe the church is at the center of God's plan. And if we can help churches to be parent training centers, then great things can happen. We've, we've done five video series that parents can use, in, or churches can use in small groups. We do live events. We have one-on-one coaching. We believe every church needs a biblical parenting coach. We're trying to help churches do that.
2: A lot of today's parents who are not already involved in a church, are they hearing reports about dwindling church membership and things like that that's going on? It is a discouraging thing. If you're a parent without really being plugged in to the kind of resources that you give and that you have written in your own books. So how can people who are hearing this that says, I need a little bit of motivation, I need I need some fresh direction how can they
5: find you? We want to develop family ministries in churches, and that's what helps these families. That They love their kids, and they think that mm-hmm. helping their child have a good self-concept by getting them involved in sports and so on is really important. And I'm not saying sports are bad, but when sports rob us of the ability of the spiritual nurture that's going to give kids the life skills they're going to use for the rest of their life, we've got a problem. So we want to help our children right now find the benefits of Christ and a Christ-filled life, and it's found in the church. I mean, God has those solutions ready for us, and the church becomes this vehicle for administering those. So having children involved in the church programs is essential, I believe, for fostering this healthy worldview, Mm -hmm. a good self-concept. All of those are strategic for our children.
2: What advice do you give parents regarding their young kids and social media?
5: Social media. Okay. So social media can become a real problem for children. It's addicting... them. It distracts them. But if we're talking about young children, we got to remember God has created these kids with a brain, and that brain is great to help children to solve problems, to create new solutions, and so on. So when a child says, I'm bored, give me your phone so I can play with it, I say, whoa, 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 let's step back here, parents. Maybe the boredom that a child's experiencing is their ticket to learning creativity. Playing on video games endlessly is just so damaging to the development of a child, to the creativity, and certainly it contributes to addiction as children are getting older and even adults are getting older. So we have to really set limits on social media and set limits on electronics with children so that they can develop the um, the ability to love the Lord and the ability to grow and to mature and be responsible adults. So it's very important to limit social... You know, when you think about all the technologies
2: that's here, isn't it funny in a a real sad sense? It's strange that we are seeing kids become so much more shut down, so much more inward and and really kind of isolated in a world because they're not getting out like what I did when I was a young kid. We were out playing, we were out playing baseball, we were riding bikes, we were doing adventures through the woods that would be near our home. And, and getting to see nature, getting to discover God. But a, a lot of kids today never move out of their bedroom and they're on that screen time constantly.
5: It leads to a whole challenge. We deal with anxiety more and more as we're working with children in part because of this isolation, because of this... this uh, There's an emphasis on, on the part of many parents, that safety safety is our goal. I just gotta tell you, as Christians, safety is not our goal. I mean, you're not gonna see Christians calling that out. Why? Because it's a value we have, but as Christians, we're going beyond the things that make us safe. Mm-hmm. We're out there, we're the ones building hospitals. We're out there building uh, schools in places that are dangerous. Christians, by their very calling, are bypassing safety concerns in order to reach out in a world. The Christian life is a dangerous one. Let's not get behind in the closed doors and just play our video games. Let's get out there and do what we need to do and help children be a part of serving the Lord.
2: Yeah, parents really can change. And that's the wonderful message that I know is gonna be brought at this conference. It's It's a message that parents who maybe aren't doing some of these things that they need to be doing, they can get up, they can get onto the wagon and, and ride down this path together,
5: right? It's true, but if we focus on their child, I mean, this is what I think motivates parents. My child has a problem with defiance or electronics addiction or anxiety or anger, whatever it is, and what I'm doing right now isn't working. I need to do some different things. So parents start, if we start with the needs of our child and we say, something's wrong here, then parents say, you know, I love my child a lot. If I gotta make some changes, I'll do that. That whole hopeful approach is what really drives the National Center for Biblical Parenting as opposed to like a guilt approach. We don't want to guilt parents or say, look, your kids need something different. The good things you're doing are great, but maybe there's some other good things we could try here to help your child grow in a more significant way.
2: I think that's great. Scott Teransky, thank you so much for dropping by.
5: Thank Uh, you, Mike. It's been great to be with you. I really enjoy it. Uh, How can people find you on the web? BiblicalParenting.org is one of our seven websites, but I'd go there first, BiblicalParenting.org, and they can get the Child Behavior Inventory to evaluate their child in nine different areas. They can sign up uh, for free email parenting tips there, and they can certainly learn about all of the ministries that we have there. Wonderful. God bless. Thank you.
2: (laughs) Back for segment three, and in this segment, we're going to be talking to two people, Carissa Potter and Brian Haynes from the recent D6 conference in Orlando. Nice to meet Carissa Potter. Thank you for dropping by and telling us all about Weave.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: Well, tell me, tell us, what does your organization do?
1: Yeah, so our desire is to kind of connect everyday Christian families, people who just come to church on a normal Sunday, with the global story of God um, and what he's doing. And really that's where the name Weave comes from is weaving that thread of God's heart for the nations into the tapestry of our family, that it's part of who we are and how we disciple in our home and the things that we do as a family is engaging in God's heart for the nations.
2: Now, how did you get involved?
1: Well, I founded the ministry. Um, It came from, I actually came to faith when I was 16, didn't grow up in a Christian home. And I was watching uh, my friends who had grown up in the church, you know, uh, go to church but then live very differently outside of church, if you know what I mean. Nobody does that, <laughs> right? <laughs> and just, you know, struggling, it it really began to lead me on this journey of like, how can you grow up in your church your whole life and walk away from faith mm-hmm. as a young 16-year-old who just was learning about Jesus for the first time? Um, and through a series of events, um, God just began to show me through one student I had in in Sunday school of just um, what happens in our hearts when how we study the Bible, when how we pray, how we worship, how we serve gets connected to this story of God that he's been writing throughout all of human history and what he's doing in this world, how it shifts something significant in us and watch children who wanted nothing to do with Jesus suddenly become alive in their faith as they were invited into a bigger story. And I thought, man, there's something here. Um, And I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit and keep walking in that. And that's led me, you know, 20 years later to where I am today.
2: I really like the concept of weave Mm -hmm. and how you talked about it It was like thread that is woven in and through our lives and in the fabric of who we are. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, we know the enemy likes to do the same thing. Sin is pervasive in that way. But how much greater is the grace of God when you have the the Holy Spirit helping us as He does. Uh, This is a big need that people have. Yeah. But I'm convinced that people don't realize just how much they need it.
1: Uh, Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I think uh, sometimes we kind of have isolated missions into like a segment of the pie of my Christian life, or a checklist, like I did that one mission trip, or I went to that one mission conference, so I've kind of fulfilled that. But at the very heart of God, our God is a mission God. Like his desire is to be known and worshiped in all the earth. And we see that woven throughout scripture. And it's part of his identity and how we experience him. And we don't see that a lot in our churches today and how we talk about God, how we look at the word and the conversations that we have. We've we've kind of isolated it mm-hmm. as a, um, a ministry or a role or a position. Like you do missions, but I that's not my calling. But God's actually called all of his people to be a part of what he is doing
2: what do you think is the biggest need that people have today
1: in terms of this topic I think it's just really seeing um, to me I think what I've seen is how people something comes alive in them in a different way when they see it in his word I think when we move missions from being like one verse uh, you know, Matthew 28 mm-hmm. or you're the light yeah. of the world, right? right? These are like mission verses. But when we look at our everyday Bible stories where we talk about all the time, Daniel, Solomon, Moses, Joshua, Samaritan woman, often in all these stories, there's this blessing of what God does for his people. And then there's this greater purpose. But we often stop a verse or two short. So like in the story of Daniel, he is rescued from the lion's den and we're like, yeah, God is great. He rescues us from the lion. He's protecting us. But just a few verses later, King Darius writes a decree to every nation, tribe, and tongue saying Daniel's God is the one true God. Mm -hmm. And the name and the fame of Jesus gets spread because of what God did in Daniel's life. And we don't talk about that a lot. And when we study our word and when the word of God and I think just understanding the totality of God's story. I think is something that's really missing in our people need in our churches.
2: I just had that uh, privilege of preaching that very chapter. Okay. Daniel 6 and it it is really amazing to you to me to see how that Darius, you know, he was a certainly a people pleaser himself mm-hmm. and he did not want uh Daniel to be in that den. No. But the he, he also did not want to be unpopular. <laughs> yeah. He didn't want to be criticized himself. Yeah and so yeah we we create some interesting problems for ourselves in the world and that's what's happened today but your organization and what you're doing helps people understand how that god can be woven throughout their everyday life Mm -hmm. with these major big ticket items
1: yeah i think god has uniquely blessed every family to be a blessing we see that in the covenant with abraham God said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. It's a lot of I statements from God. And the only thing he says to Abraham is, and you will be a blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that to know that there's purpose in that and that those blessings of God don't end with me, that I'm a conduit of that. Um, I think that really shapes shapes our perspective and how we view, like you said, these everyday moments of our life.
2: How can we find out more about Weave?
1: Yeah, you can visit us online. um, Weavefamily.org is where you can find us. We're also on social media uh, on Instagram and Facebook at the same handle. You can find just dozens of resources, free tools, things that can just empower uh, families and equip parents to weave these things into their everyday discipleship.
2: Great to have you with us. Thank you for dropping by.
1: Yeah, thanks so much.
2: I have a lead pastor from Texas. If I were going to be living anywhere besides Florida, it would probably want to be Texas, great state, a great state. Brian Haynes, lead pastor at Bay Area, in the Houston area, and uh, boy, you you mentioned Galveston, you're uh, you're right there. Uh, all of us who were Glenn Campbell lovers think about your area. It is a very romantic uh, thought that comes in <laughs> our minds. Love that song and yeah. the meaning behind it. More importantly, love what God is doing in Texas
0: right now. Mm. It's, it's got to be an exciting place to live. It is uh, truly an exciting place to live. I, th- I think the last two years have, have even um, shown the commitment of the church in Texas to the things that uh, represent the kingdom of God on earth. And, yeah. Uh, I've been really grateful.
2: Well, thinking about this conference that you and I are both attending right now, this D6 conference which is really aimed at helping both churches and parents and equipping them, uh, helping the kids that the parents have been blessed with, uh, seeing all of this happen. Now, from a lead pastor standpoint, you're not only pastoring the flock there at your church, but you're also an author mm-hmm. whose works are going beyond Bay Area.
0: Mm-hmm yeah we have uh angela and i my wife and i have been writing and teaching on the issues of uh, parenting and family discipleship for maybe 12 13 years now and uh specifically about how parents can lead their children spiritually and again over the last two years i mean if we didn't think it was important before now we're seeing uh how important it really is um, in the context of just the craziness that has been our world over the last two years. And, and, uh, we see that the home, if a, if a home is stable and full of shalom, peace, uh, with God and peace with each other. And it is, it, it's, it's unique in the culture that we live in. That's am pushing for that. What is your role here at the conference? Yeah, so this year I'm doing two breakout sessions and a lot of coaching training for ministry leaders, some podcasts and things like that. But uh, I've been a part of D6 since the beginning of D6. And uh, the reason I think I got pulled into that in the beginning was just our church's model for Uh, connecting church and home for discipleship. And so that's the message that they, I think, bring me here to convey over and over again is you can really do this practically in your church uh, to help homes equip their their families.
2: Now, you know, Brian, when we hear the word disciple, that is one of the biblical words. I mean, we Mm -hmm. have it all the way back to the Bible. We have it all the way back to those that traveled with Jesus One would think that that would be a a well-rehearsed facet of every church in America, yet I hear oft times church leaders, uh, pastors say, we're not doing what we need to be doing regarding discipleship. From your standpoint, what would be the one thing that every church who feels
0: maybe deficient in that area, what should they do? Yeah. So it's simple, actually. If if that church is deficient, they're not making disciples at all, then they have to focus simply on helping everybody, not just parents, but helping everybody hear and obey Jesus. Those two things, hear and obey. That's exactly what a disciple does, is hear and obey. So all that is, is teaching them to read the scriptures, hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to them, then through the scripture, and then live that out with their their hands and their feet and their their mouth and i think we make it way too complicated with all of these strategies and whiteboard sessions and the reality is mike i should have somebody in my life that i'm demonstrating for them, what it looks like to hear and obey Jesus, even how I hear and obey Jesus every uh, day. And when I have kids, I should be doing that in the context of my own home, yeah, too. Yeah, that's right. So it's just those two things. Like, if we could just teach people to hear and obey Jesus, they think it's for inside certain buildings, certain days of the week. We need to show them, like, Jesus wants to talk to you all day, every day.
2: And that's uh, beautifully said right in the chapter six of the book of Deuteronomy. I mean, whether you're going by the wayside, on the road or whether you're sitting at home it it can be talked about Mm -hmm. and every child is a true disciple whether they're being discipled or not they are a disciple and they are learning uh even if it's by default right Mm -hmm. truly they are well brian thank you so much for dropping by Mm -hmm. and taking part in this conference Mm -hmm. uh tell us about your books and how people can get a hold of? Them. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think the best uh, thing that you can do to get a hold of those books is just go to RandallHouse.com or you can go to Amazon.com. There's one called The Legacy Path uh, that teaches parents how to disciple their children. There's another one called Relentless Parenting that For those parents that are in the preteen, teenage years that are really struggling for the first time as parents, maybe, uh, this is a help to them. And I have a new one coming out uh, next year. It's called War in the Wilderness, Fighting for Your Family When Life Isn't As It Should Be. And it's an honest biblical approach to um, sort of combat the American ideal that, hey, everything's going to be okay because it might not be and uh, how who, who is God when it's not okay.
2: Well, we all found out in 2020 that we that, that uh, little tagline right there was true for everyone, wasn't mm-hmm. it? It was, it was. All right, Brian Haynes from Bay Area Church. Thank you so much, Brian. Yeah, thanks, Mike. And that about does it for this Monday. Don't forget to be listening for the changes on our morning lineup beginning at 9 a.m. Financial Issues with a new host and that is Shanna Burt. Also at 10, a replay of my previous day's Afternoons with Mike. At 11.05, it is Dr. Stephen Rummage. And moving forward, and then it's Charlie Kirk at 11.32 with Saving America with Charlie Kirk. That's our new morning lineup. Thank you so much for being with me today. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Afternoons with Mike.